0: Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today my guest is managing editor James Kleiman to talk about HomePoint shutting down and the misinformation that went viral recently about 40-year mortgages. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking with Matt Dowd, Vice President of Product Management at ICE Mortgage Technology, about mortgage automation. Matt, what challenges are customers facing around adoption? I think the challenges lenders face with adoption are fairly consistent and evident, but you know, the real question is how to solve the adoption question. So it goes down really to change management and perceived value. Um, without getting users on board, you're gonna be hard pressed to make any progress. So you have to do that with training, 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 and training. And the second piece of the puzzle is really ensuring that you're able to provide the value to your users so you're going to need quantifiable and empirical data that shows how implementing and embracing this type of technology is going to help them do their job that's really important and listeners you can find out more at icemortgagetechnology.com james welcome back to the podcast
1: hey good to be back sir
0: Great to have you on. I want to jump right in because we have so many things to talk about. Let's start off with home point. so last last week we had some big news on home Point. What happened?
1: Yeah, well, a number of different things happened um, d- depending on one's perspective, it could be that you know home Point sort of reemerges as uh, a leaner, meaner lender in in a year or two, maybe three years you know uh, nobody really knows. but um what we do know definitively is that uh, an agreement has been entered for HomePoint to sell its originations business. Remember, they're only in the Wholesale Channel at this stage um, to a company I'd never heard of until the day I wrote the story up. Uh, and this is on Friday and it's called The Loan Store. And they're, you know, a shop based out of Arizona. They've been around for a couple of years, but um, they don't do a lot of business. They are very under the radar. And, um, you know, it's it's going to be... Between fifty and one hundred people from HomePoint's originations business joining the loan store, and um, you know they've already taken HomePoint's membership uh, at AIM, which is of course um, you know one of the big broker advocacy trade groups, and it's going to be headed by Phil Shoemaker, who is the president of originations at HomePoint. You know he's been around the industry for a long time. He was at Caliber before HomePoint. And, and he's going to be really running the show. And, um, you know, a, a lot of this really comes down to one home point is a relatively new player in mortgage, you know, and, and what we've seen across the industry, not just in mortgage but in real estate in general is you don't have to be a brand that's been around for 40, 50, 100 years, you know, to to really make a name and to really start to gain market share. You know, Compass has been around for what, 12 years? You know, eXp Realty has been around for just a couple of years and, you know, better.com, not exactly a smashing success, but, you know, in 2020, 2021, it was one of the top 25 lenders in America. You know, I mean, you still um, can absolutely make up ground, um, against kind of the bigger, more entrenched players. If you have a good tech stack, if you have a good operations team, if you have a good product, you know, and you're able to seize the opportunities that are there. I think for home point, what happened was, I think they tried to out UWM, UWM, you know, and, and that's, that's a really, really tough task and, and they couldn't really pull it off, you know? And so I, I think, when everybody was doing well, HomePoint was doing well. You know, they were a top fifteen lender in America in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. They were still doing okay in twenty twenty two, but really starting in, I guess it was the spring. You know, we started to see the cracks, and and that's not exclusive of HomePoint. You know, the the mortgage rate increase, the just the the difficulties of of operating a business when you have a lot of mouths to feed and a lot of business coming in um, is really hard to pull off, right? And so this is not a sled against HomePoint. I, I think, you know, a lot of people thought they were really, really good operators. They had good customer service. You know, they treated their broker partners pretty well. Um, but for a lot of the brokers in the industry, they were always, home point is my second option. If I have a loan, I'm going to bring it to UWM or I'll bring it to Rocket or I'll bring it to, you know, wh- whatever their favorite was. And HomePoint didn't really separate themselves from the others, you know, in, in terms of offering either incredible service, right? Like real bespoke white glove or the best rates in town or programs that nobody else had that, you know, really gave them an edge and in, in say non-QM or, you know, something else. They were for the most part, you know, like, a standard shop, right? You know, and, and there are plenty of them, you know, there, there are quite a few of them in wholesale fewer today, (laughs) but, um, you know, they didn't really differentiate themselves. And when UWM got serious, I mean, really serious and started cutting their margins and saying, if you think you can compete with us, compete with us. Um, but nobody can originate alone as cheaply as UWM. You know, they have a whole, system that they've been building for years they have their own technology they can move a little bit more quickly homepoint you know they did white label they their technology was fine you know but but it wasn't it wasn't something where you can compete with UWM on you know the cost of obtaining a lead or the cost of originating a mortgage and so i think in the end they just kind of got out muscled and they never really had the cash position to go toe to toe with at this stage now we only really have two big players in wholesale you know and, and the whole value proposition for wholesale is like hey i'm a broker i can bring you you know a huge amount of options i can bring you the best deals the best rates that's what makes us special that's why you know we're we're here and we're not these you know, yesteryear retail lenders that have bloated cost structures and, you know, all, all these, uh, you know, mid-level managers they need to pay, like, we're we're able to do the loan and, and do it quicker than anybody and, and you know, cheaper. Um, that, I don't know if you can say that anymore about wholesale. And well, that's and a I problem. mean... That is a problem. And we've talked
0: about for months, maybe even a whole year that, you know, this was this was part of UWM's playbook. I mean, the reason they you know, they, they were absolutely looking to call the field of anybody who couldn't keep up with their rates. And and really, that's that's a lot of people. So when you say that you, you felt like HomePoint kind of trying to out UWM, UWM, what do you mean by that? Like, what were they trying to do?
1: They went entirely in on the broker channel. You know, at one point they had correspondent, they they never did retail, but they had a few other lines. They had servicing. They decided we're not going to do that anymore. They, they really started to streamline their operations and to really try to get as many brokers as possible. And much like UWM, they were heavily affiliated with AIM. They were very much in the, we are... We are your friend. We are your, um, you know, partner to the brokers, but the brokers can only send that one loan to one place. You know, and so in terms of the products, their products were not much different from UWM. Um, their service, some people definitely liked their account executives, AEs, more than UWM, but um, they couldn't give you the best price. They couldn't give you the best service. They couldn't give you the tightest closing times. Um, and so they went all in on wholesale. Uh, but in the end, you know, they, they also had a lot of troubles operationally, especially toward the end. And, and, and I've written about this a couple times, but when any large or even smaller or medium sized organization institutes a series of big cuts, there are going to be challenges associated with that, you know? So, You have to decide which underwriters do I keep? Which processors do I keep? You know, do I need, uh, you know, these marketing coordinators? Do I need these loan officer assistants? Okay. Let's say I decide to cut 75% of them. Well, which ones? You know, do I keep a couple that have institutional knowledge and can work on any product? Or do I say I'm going to lean on my training and development programs and hope for the best uh, and save money? But you have to get down to much lower levels of cost. Um, And if you keep expensive underwriters and processors and others who know their stuff, you can't do that because you don't have enough business coming in. On the other hand, if you cut too many good experienced people who know how to make the process work, um, then you run the risk of alienating those broker partners that you need to send business to. And not only do you need them to send you business, you should be their primary, not their secondary mortgage option. And so HomePoint never became the primary for enough mortgage brokers to overcome, you know, just the pricing issues that they couldn't keep up with on UWM, you know, having to sell MSRs and other segments of their business that could have been, um, you know, revenue streams as well. Um, And so it just, in the end, you know, they, they just couldn't keep up. And at a certain point, you have to look around and say, what are we in business for? We're in business to make money. You know, like that's what a business fundamentally is. And and if you cannot make money and you can't do it for multiple, 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 multiple quarters, um, it's just a matter of when, right? And so the assets of HomePoint's origination business are being sold to this company that hardly anyone had ever heard of, you know, did a couple hundred million in business, um, you know, the prior year. And, and I think of mortgage originators that do under a billion is pretty small. So when we're getting into like the 300 million range, I mean, there are brokers unto themselves who do that much business or more in a year. Right. So this really is a nascent operation um, and home point capital, the parent company of home point, the, the former originator um, is basically going to be an MSR shop, right? So they have about 90 billion in MSRs and They don't really do anything else. You know, there are no other assets. There is nothing, there is nothing left at (laughs) HomePoint. And so um, it's, it's also interesting though because HomePoint's exit for practical purposes could be good for the broker space. HomePoint as an entity was weighed down by a lot of debt. HomePoint, the entity had, um, you know, just a lot of heavy cost structures even if you do cut, you know, four thousand people down to eight hundred, but your business can only support four hundred, right? Which is probably we're honestly out. Um, that's still four hundred too many, right? So if if you then think of it again, like purely from a business standpoint, there are a lot of people who are losing jobs, and and that's that's sad. That's that's disappointing. You know, you you would have hoped for better, um, but if you think of it maybe as a, a mortgage phoenix. With a hundred people, you could really get your rates at a better place. You can offer, you know, products that maybe will, will work better in this marketplace that you don't have to shift, you know, so much of your operational, you know, workforce around on. And, um, it's kind of a wide open game in, in wholesale when you forget about the names UWM and Rocket, you know, who could you tell me who the fourth biggest wholesaler is? No. And most people can't because it, it doesn't really matter. You know, there's no one it's, it's like, it's, it's so far down the list. And and if you think about the bigger players in that are active in the space, but not really from my vantage, trying to compete with UWM or rocket, you know, you've got the calibers, you've got Penny Mac is in there. You've got a couple others. Um, but that's, that's not where they're trying to uh trying to dominate. They're not trying to go toe-to-toe with Matt Ishbia or you know, Dan Gilbert or <laughs> to some extent even a home point, you know, and like, and so I think there very much exists a possibility that the loan store gets it right. They offer a compelling product to brokers who, you know, really could benefit from choice right about now, huh? Uh, and then in a year or two. No reason to think that they couldn't be the third biggest wholesaler again, right? So it's it's a really interesting wide open space, but I still worry about sort of those larger existential questions about what wholesale now represents. If you really only have two players that are doing significant volume in in that channel, um, so it's it's going to be an interesting time. But um, I don't think it's good news for for the wholesale space at all.
0: No, I think that I think you made a lot of really good points. One of them is is, and this is throughout the industry. When you make all those cuts, you have to decide what is the fundamental level of business that we have to have, right? So, I mean, maybe we need to cut all these people, but then who's doing this very important job? Or now they're doing two very important jobs, and obviously, you know, customer service could could
1: suffer, but also compliance. Yeah, yeah, and and you need to keep compliance. Otherwise, you know, mortgage lender is not much good if uh, the CFPB is answering the phones, right? So, yeah, it's it's um <laughs> yeah you, you need you need a certain number of of talented, experienced people, and that's why you can never fully cut your costs at a mortgage lender because it's too regulated an in industry, right? Like, there's just no way. And I think that's why you see so many of these companies struggling because you get down to it when you think, okay, if I need to cut fifty percent more of my staff, I'm looking around, they're like. 13 processors left, you know, there are a handful of underwriters. There's, you know, maybe a few in post-closing and then it's compliance and legal and executives. And what are we going to cut? Like our executive vice president of production? Like, no, we're not (laughs) going to do that. You know, are we going to cut our head of HR? No, we're not going to do that. You know, okay. Let's say we cut an underwriter. All right. Well, now we're going to struggle with non-QM products or, you know, okay, we, we cut some of the processors. All right. Then do we run into operational issues in terms of getting the loans, uh, you know, in, in a good spot without cures or, you know, somebody not knowing where things are, right? Um, it's it's not easy. Like there is a reason that we're seeing a fair amount of consolidation and companies just saying, okay, well, we'll see a next cycle, right? It would be
0: fascinating to look at this um, HomePoint new rebrand, you know, this whole new company and see what happens.
1: To your point, this could be
0: this could be the phoenix rising from the ashes, and and we know that that happens in this kind of market.
1: Yeah, and also, you know, I spoke with a, a mortgage CEO, unrelated, uh, operates in a few different channels, mid-size lender. I spoke with him the other day, and, and he was telling me, you know, one of the things that they wanted to do when they were looking at having to make cuts and and literally every single mortgage lender in America has had to make cuts of some level. UWM will say they're not layoffs and that's fine, but their headcount is down, you know, thousands of people. So, you know, however you get to it, you get to it. Right. Um, And, and so the CEO is telling me what they wanted to do is they wanted to get down to a benchmark level of having their non-sales payroll to be 25% of their revenue. And so if it's, if it's between 25 and 30% they'd institute a hiring freeze. If it's over 30%, they would of course freeze hiring, right? Like hiring is not going to happen when you're at that stage, but then they would also look at where in the organization do we have too many people? And then that kind of gave them an, an operating principle to figure out, okay, how do we get much more efficient and how do we do so quickly? Because keep in mind when you do have to offer severance and you have to make, you know, restructurings, um, it takes a couple quarters to really fully bake and, and, you know, for the costs to also start to level out a little bit. Like if, if you decide to lay off a hundred people tomorrow, that's still going to show up in your books for the next two quarters. And so, you know, we're kind of at a tail end of things and for some lenders, but we're still very much in the middle for others. And HomePoint has made, I mean, they made probably a dozen layoffs over, you know, a couple years really from... <laughs> probably 2021, you know, they did a big restructuring in the summer um, and they did it all the way up through January of this year. And then, you know, the final, the final number is, is going to be what, like 60 to hundred people that are going to end up at this new company. Right. So, you know, it's to, to go from four, 4,000 plus people um, over the course of just a couple of years, but still be doing business and still be doing, I know it doesn't sound like much, but in the fourth quarter, they did over a billion, in in mortgages, like it still requires personnel. Like it still requires know-how. And um and so when when you think about how they do it at an even bigger shop like guaranteed rate or a rocket or a you know a loan depot, I mean it's it's really difficult. And and the vast majority of them end up getting consultants and and they really struggle with restructuring is because when you try to figure out how to, you know, remove the organs and put them back in at at a company, you know, with ten thousand people, in some cases, it's it's really hard. It's really really hard, and you might not lay off the right people.
0: Well, and I mean this is a purchase market, so this is more technical. It's it's more difficult. We're not talking refis where you can just bring someone in and be like, hey, let me give you some training. You can do this refi. You know, this is. And you don't want to lose any of these loans. You need every single one of these loans to go through.
1: Yep. And and a lot of these companies that did cuts are losing market share. And and that's because on the sales side, a lot of their top performers are leaving because their pipelines are not full anyway. And they can still, depending on who they are and, and their production level, they can still get good bonuses and um, you know, find a new home somewhere, right? So you're also seeing kind of the the bleeding effect of that. Um you know elsewhere but it it's also I think important to note that we're not seeing problems with you know underwriting issues we're not seeing problems at least structurally with how the industry is able to originate a loan. and so even though a huge number of processors and underwriters and you know kind of the back office staff have been cut, I've spoken to a number of uh, top level executives at big, medium and small firms that have done restructurings and they say they really haven't missed a beat and not to sound callous, but a lot of them say, I wish I had done this sooner. I wish I had done more sooner and we would be in a much better spot because now we start to lose a little bit of market share, um, as the months go by. And, um, it's, it's just really interesting. You know, it's so much of this market now for these originators is keeping your sales pros. And it's not about how many processors you have or the, you know, underwriters on staff either.
0: Well, and, and, you know, they were sort of in an arms race where no one wanted to be the first one to start laying off. We we knew that there was oversupply coming off the refi boom. We didn't see people really react fast enough. And one of the things is they felt pressure. Like if I do that, I'm going to lose all my top people. They're going to see the writing on the wall. And so no one wanted to be the first and no one wanted to do it too aggressively, but you can see how that didn't end up great.
1: And do you remember who was the first? I don't. Better.com. And the way they did it, oh, of course, okay. is that, you know, it lives in infamy. Right. <laughs> and so maybe that scared a couple to to be like, you know what, I'm going to wait until after the holidays to mass lay off hundreds of people on a Zoom call and then call them, <laughs> you know, all kinds of things I shouldn't call them. So, yeah, it's it's – that's a great
0: point. I've forgotten about that. Yeah, maybe maybe the backlash of that just everyone was like, you know what, I'm just going to wait. I, I don't want to be the next person after after that. Although if you did it, if you did a layoff after that and did it in any sort of, you know, normal way, you'd be looking good because people are like, well, at least it wasn't, you know, 900 people on a Zoom call.
1: Yeah, and, oh, but yeah. if you talk to the experts, you know, the, the people who study uh, production and uh, kind of the health of the independent mortgage banks, and I, I touched on this last week in the podcast with with Bill Conroy they say we still need to cut about fifty percent of the workforce in the mortgage industry. That's wow! How people. is that possible? Well, okay. So there. Now, obviously, not everybody has the same position, but there are a huge number of loan officers who are doing, let's say, two, three loans a month in the good days, and now, you know, probably tens of thousands of them don't have any loans in their pipeline, who are l- averaging less than a loan a month. And that's not just the, you know, by and large, the inexperienced loan officers who maybe got into it in 2020, 2021 and, and, uh, you know, rode the refi wave and hope to build up the Rolodex and, and, you know, get in with real estate agents. It also includes a lot of veterans and a lot of them, I mean, maybe I'm wired a little bit differently, but I can understand if you did a million dollars, like, I mean, you grow, you gained a million dollars. In 2020, and then another 1.2 million in 2021, and then let's say you drop down of 500,000 in 2022. Looking around in 2023 and saying, you know what? I don't want to make 50 calls today. Right. I don't want to go to that open house. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And generally speaking, you know, this is a, a workforce that trends a little bit older. Um, average yellow's a guy in his fifties. If you made good money through various cycles, maybe you want to, you know, hang up the cleats or the, I don't know, I don't know. What, <laughs> loafers? What, what, apparel. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I guess loaf, penny loafers probably, right?
0: Okay. So we had a really interesting thing happen over the weekend about a story that we reported even a month ago. So tell us what happened and the misinformation that we saw coming around.
1: This one really annoys me uh, for a number of reasons, but okay. So last month, the FHA announced a final rule that allows mortgagees to increase the maximum FHA-insured mortgage loan modification term from basically 30 years, right, 360 months, to 480 months, 40 years, following a default. And so that change is slated to go into effect on May 8th. We reported this correctly. A number of the industry trade publications reported this correctly. This is all related to the loss mitigation um, initiatives by the federal government, you know, and and the FHA is not the only one. But for whatever reason, last week, I don't know if it was from local TV networks or if it started on the internet, um, but there is content that surfaces on TikTok, on Facebook, on Instagram and other places saying that the FHA has just announced a new 40-year purchase mortgage program. And these influencers and other people start going on about, you know, all the benefits to stretching out the term, you know, lower monthly payments to whatever. And, and you know, you see a lot of like hustle bros and, uh, you know, influencer types um, talking about how, how, you know, big this could be. This is one of the biggest game changers in mortgage in the last decade. Um, the problem it's, it's total crap. It's just, it's literally not true. This is purely a program for existing FHA borrowers who have declared default, right? This is not a purchase mortgage program. This is like about as far away from a purchase mortgage program as you could get. There is no 40 year purchase mortgage program in America, whether it's conventional, whether it's, you know, um, through Fanny, Freddie, Ginny, whatever it it does not exist. There may be forty year, you know, private mortgage loans out there, um, but if it does happen, it's extremely rare. So I'm trying to figure out where this all started. Is it because you know a TV news reporter who is not a business journalist who you know, could very easily get lost in the jargon of government press releases, see something on TikTok, you know, all these influencers talking about blah, blah, blah. And then he or she writes it up. And then, you know, suddenly that gives it validity. You know, people say, oh, well, the the news reported this is happening. And so that means, you know, I I should, and, and here's the worst part of it though. The people who spread this are like, claim to be real estate agents. They claim to be mortgage brokers. They claim to be, you know, financial advisors. I don't know the credentials of these people. You know, it's not, um, it's, it's not something that I've, I've looked at yet. But if they are, I mean, that's shameful. That's really, really awful. I think
0: that's the part that just, we were like, what? So first of all, we were trying to look at, like, where did this originate? And Yahoo Finance, I think, carried it. But it was really, uh, like you said, it was a it was a, a story that a news, a local news show, when you look back at what they did, it was an affiliate
1: on yeah, TV. Like an ABC affiliate in Arizona or Kansas or something.
0: And so they, they went with that headline. And to your point, though anybody who's in the industry, how in the world were they fooled by that? And we were inundated. Like we looked and it was just crazy. How many, we're not talking, oh, a couple of stories. It was just like a tidal wave. And it happened all of a sudden over the weekend where to your point, these are real estate agents. These are LOs. These are, some of them, you know, we can tell who they are. Um, some of them, who knows what, why they're doing that, but it was crazy.
1: And I think it was just a bad mix of people who should know better and get maybe excited and caught up. And and maybe it's part of this, you know, cultural expectation in the industry that you need to be posting content every day. And, you know, maybe people get carried away or, or they're just, you know, they lack media literacy, which is very normal. But, but if you're a real estate agent and you you're like using ABC 15 in Scottsdale, Arizona as your source for, you know, product information on mortgages, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be your client. Like that's a big problem, right? I mean, geez. So yeah, that's the issue. And, And then, you know, just kind of the larger problem that I, that I have with all of this is how easy it is for simple misinformation to spread. I have people who are You know, mortgage loan officers who've been doing this for decades who know product, who know compliance, like who know, you know, TRID and, you know, all the acronyms, like the back of their hand. And I occasionally receive emails from them saying, hey, we saw this misinformation about, you know, I've seen one about temporary rate buy downs, like people saying that, oh, they're permanent. Like, you just have to pay, you know, well, it's like, okay, there, there are two different things, right? A temporary rate buy down is a one, two, three, right? And that's, that's separate from buying points, you know, at the beginning of the process. And, and so often it's real estate agents who probably just don't know the products as well as they should, you know, a real estate agent should know mortgage products, maybe not as well as a loan officer But way more than the average consumer, right? Like way more, and you should be able to spot this a million miles away. I mean, if the FHA came out with a forty-year purchase mortgage, there would be so many articles from from us, from you know other business trade publications. You'd see it in Bloomberg. You'd see it in the Wall Street Journal. It wouldn't be leading like ABC fifteen, Scottsdale. You know, like you know, use your noggin, right? Uh, I, I remember when when the FHA cut. MIP, right, the insurance premiums, that was huge news, absolutely huge news. There was also a ton of misinformation about that, right? And so I think maybe this is just a reality that we're going to have to accept in the advent of the Internet in that people claim expertise. Uh, there's no way to credential people in, in some settings. And just the algorithmic approach means these things spread like wildfire because people want to believe and we are we are wired you know, socially, psychologically, to want to believe, you know, that these things that may benefit us, or maybe you just are interesting, um, or scary, right, in, in, in the opposite context, um, are happening. And so often they're not. So the takeaway here
0: is that our audience should be reading you and your newsroom and Housing Wire, Real Trends, Reverse Mortgage Daily, because we hire credential journalists. These are people who um, you know come from great programs and they're accountable for what they write. So that, that's our takeaway. I know it is sort of self-serving, but also it was so crazy to see that this weekend and think about all the people who were like, this is great. And I mean, people were so excited. You, you also had some people who were like, wait, there shouldn't be a 40-year mortgage. Like that, that's a terrible idea, whatever. But most people, you know, it was something that they were latching onto because it was like, this is the way we get millennials into homes. This, this, the way first time home buyers can afford this market. So it was just sad to see like all that misinformation going around. So thank you, James, for what you guys do. And thanks for being on today.
1: Cool. Thanks for having me, Sarah.
2: We have a Slack channel at HW that publishes all of the new registered users for our HW events, like the Gathering of Eagles coming up in June and Housing Wire Annual coming up in October. I was just scrolling through the Gathering of Eagles feed on Slack, and wow, I am blown away with the quality of the attendees. Leaders from Keller Williams, Better Homes and Gardens, EXP, Compass, Hannah Holdings, Remax and Home Services and incredible ecosystem partners like Zillow, Austin Board of Realtors, New Western Acquisitions, UWM, and Bright MLS, just to name a few. If you aren't familiar with GOE, this is our real estate brokerage event for the most elite brokers, teams, MLS execs, and state and local association of realtors leaders. June 18th through 21st in Austin, Texas at the amazing Omni Barton Creek Resort. Visit the events tab on realtrends.com or housingwire.com to register.
0: Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insight.